When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the NFL Drama Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. So much drama. Again, now we have to, like, Matt Whitehurst. Don't we need a little under music here? <laughs> no more drama, no more pain, whatever that. What song is that? You know what I'm going? Does that make sense no, to you? No, no, I'm thinking, no. I think it's like, called No More Drama. Order stuff. <laughs> is it, isn't there a song called No More Drama? Oh, maybe. Oh, uh, is it Mary J. Blige? Mary J. Blige. There you there go. go. Mary J. Blige. Teamwork. So, Matt Whitehurst, if you can please <laughs> pot it up to about two. I'd like, I mean, it'd be good for about. I'd say seven or eight seconds, and then we can bring it on down to zero. But man, J- Jim Irsay had to know that at the NFL owners' meetings in New York, uh, it, if he had a gaggle of reporters around him, and he said that Dan Snyder should be booted as owner of the Washington Commanders that he was going to get some global headlines. Well, congratulations, Jim Hersey. You made your headlines. And you know, by the way, Evan, you know there are other owners who feel that way. They just haven't said it. So it makes me wonder, why did Jim Hersey say it publicly? um, And where do we go from here? This is definitely one of those things where the surprising thing is not what was said the surprising thing is that it that it was said the nfl because it's not surprising done... who said it like exactly. i'm not surprised jim ursay is the guy who said it like okay that's yeah. fine but th- there had to be some sort of calculation here as to okay or maybe i mean maybe jim just popped off maybe that's one of the reasons yeah, there's, why there's two possibilities here. yeah there yeah. are two but i don't know i i just think this is so sensitive this is so high profile that i find it hard to believe that Jim left the meeting and just, you know, on a whim, you know, I'm going to say what, uh, what everybody, you know, there no people are going to ask about it and just say, well, let's, let's just let the process play out. Right. Not Jim, get rid of him. So I don't know. I'm more towards, there was a, there was a reason for this and that others were consulted. And this is a uh, soft launch of the idea. We'll normalize it over time. Yeah. You and I both know that, that a lot of owners have, have felt this way about, Dan, for a while, he has gone through a, a, a series of scandals. We've talked about a lot of them on this show, varying from workplace misconduct and harassment all the way through uh, some financial shenanigans that, 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 that allegedly happened under his watch. Um, 
if this is indeed a, a change in the way that owners are talking about him, uh, that would be a huge story, Scott. And I'm sure the ESPN story that, that came out uh, a week ago or two weeks ago about the, the dirt that Dan Snyder claims in private to have on a number of owners and a dossier on Jerry Jones, et cetera. I'm sure that also ruffled some feathers around the league if that was new news to them. Um, but yeah, th- this is a league that has more so, I think, than any other league consistently kept a lid on the inter-owner drama that always happens when you get 32 of the richest people in the world in one room at one time. The NFL has been particularly good at, at keeping those things in-house, in settling those things, not in, in front of a gaggle of reporters, but but within and underneath the shield. And this was a rare crack. And I think, Scott, again, that's that's why this is so newsworthy. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you like to do that and are more than happy to do so, <laughs> but would it not make sense to follow the blueprint of the NBA and Robert Sarver. Moving to remove him, you know there's a bunch of owners who, of course, privately would like to get rid of him. That could just be personality conflict. It could be you know, not good for the league, whatever. I mean, not that the NFL is, is struggling. Um, but surely they know that Dan Snyder will not go gently into that good night. Like This would be... Uh, ensconced in litigation, if if one will, I, you just don't say, okay, fellas, you know, you don't want me. I'm I'm just going to go quietly. Nobody sees that happening. But what do you do when the sponsors start putting pressure? Right? What do you do when? All right, now this is where I need you, Evan Novi Williams, <laughs> because as you know, I don't really follow the on-field goings of what's you know happening in the NFL or some of the other leagues. Okay, because uh, if I'm going to talk about, if I'm going to talk about. <laughs> The the uh, Washington Commanders, you know, to me, I'm still thinking of like Joe Jacoby, the Hogs, Theismann, Rippin, <laughs> you, you, you know. Uh, so you tell me who's the star player on the Washington oh, Commanders geez. that could stand up and be like, you know what? Uh, we're kind of galvanized in this locker room. We don't want to play for this guy. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, and, and I'm not the right person to ask either. I, I'm not sure that there well, is. If, if it's one. not Jacksonville Jaguars related, that, yeah, you don't know. Exactly. Ooh, that one I can. Oh, give, that I know now. Thank you. Yeah, I could give you the the third string left tackle there. The the yeah, I don't I don't know exactly. And, and to be honest, I, I don't think there is a, a, a commanding star of the of 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 the commanders in the way that that some teams have. There's no like JJ Watt who's been there for a while. That is the kind of the anchor of the locker room. Um, so, so I don't know. Uh, to go back to your question, you're absolutely right. That there is an easier way this could have played out. I would argue that the NFL gave up the Robert Sarver option years ago on Dan Snyder. That that's that that Robert Sarver when when the big allegations came out, there was a report. When the report dropped, it was it was a huge deal, obviously. And within a week or two weeks, he had agreed to sell the team. Um, the, the NFL ha- has essentially excused or or let Dan Snyder escape serious punishment for years on a lot of these things, both the workplace problems and the financial problems that I've been discussing. I think at this point, it just becomes hard to follow the Robert Sarver blueprint when the, when the details of what happened under Dan Snyder's watch have been this public for this long. I think, again, you just, you just lose that option in some ways. All right. So you're saying, and correct me again, I'm wrong if I'm, if I'm incorrectly paraphrasing, that perhaps the NFL would be in a more advantageous position should it be looking to remove Dan Snyder for that 
for those reports to have been made public, like the NBA. I, Let everybody see it all. And I also would, would, would bet, and I bet a number of NFL owners feel this way. I bet if they could go back in time, they would have been much firmer on punishment of, of Dan Snyder earlier. Right again, I, I think that the the parable here would be if if the NFL if the NBA was easy on on Sarver, and then in two years there was another big report about about horrible things that happened under his ownership, and then two years after that there was a congressional investigation into maybe for some financial shenanigans that were happening at the Suns, and then after that the NBA decided to kick Sarver out again. I think there's just they're just kind of too far down the road right now on on all of the, the the things about Snyder being public and maybe there's more it wouldn't shock me but uh yeah again I think it's a little bit harder to follow the NBA blueprint when, when this has been going on for so long I also think Scott it, it seems we I don't know maybe you know more about the way in which the Sarver stuff went down but Sarver at least was willing pretty quickly after to, to sell the team and well, I just think I just think it became obvious it was it was untenable yeah it's unclear there was no if, support if, anymore if, if that's I would say it's pretty obvious about what's happening in Washington right now Dan does not seem to be uh, willing to acquiesce in any sort of way so so there's, so there's a chance that he is just so stubborn in a way that that will not be successful um and then the third thing which is kind of looming in the background we talked about it with the NBA we we know there are a lot of owners who worry that if this person gets punished for this, what happens when there is a bigger story about what's happening there, in my organization? There, that, that, that's the one I really want to touch on. And yeah. thank, thank you for going there. Like, yeah. Um, what What's going on? Yeah. How many of these owners are worried about things they have emailed, texted, said, done, that have not seen the light of day? And do, do they sit and worry, oof, you know, if they're for the grace of God, go I, because if yes. the investigatory eyes turn on me, I don't think I could survive such such inspection. Yeah, I thought that was one of the interesting things about the about the, the story about Dan Snyder and his digging up dirt on on owners. I'm not convinced that that Dan Snyder and whatever his files are are the things that concerns owners. I do think exactly what you just said is true. That outside of what Dan Snyder may know, there's just a lot of owners who feel like once you set a precedent for X or once you set a precedent for Y, it, it, it puts all of us in some sort of jeopardy because there may be some skeletons in our closet as, as, as well. I, I definitely think that is a large part of the way in which Dan has been treated in that a lot of owners are kind of looking in the mirror, not saying they have done or overseen a lot of the things as bad as what, what seemed to have happened in Washington, but just feeling that once you kind of start down that slope, it becomes a lot easier to force someone to sell in the future if something else comes out about them. You are talking, if I may bring in the uh, Mike McCann references here, about precedent. Once mm. precedent is established, uh, any court of competence jurisdiction elsewhere must is binded by that precedent. So, exactly. Anyway, uh, other news coming out of the NFL owners meeting. Stan Kroenke is going to cut a check for almost half a, or a little more than half a billion dollars. Uh, but if you had told him ahead of time, and I'm guessing this was probably baked into the due diligence of moving from St. Louis to Los Angeles and the giant real estate parcel he's got and the revenue it will generate over the next uh, decade or two or three, that uh, $591 million payment to St. Louis coming out of his pocket, he would say, uh, would somebody please get my checkbook? That's okay. This is this is another piece of, of NFL owner drama, Scott. We, I started this by saying it's pretty rare for this to happen, and we're talking about two of them on the same day. We're going to have a third, by the way, but go ahead. This this became a uh, kind of a big debate, from what I understand, within NFL owner circles. This idea that that when when the when the Rams moved from St. Louis to L.A. 
There was a lawsuit from St. Louis essentially claiming that the NFL and the Rams did not follow their organization's protocol properly in terms of relocating the franchise. At some point in there, Stan Kroenke promised that if there was any financial payment owed by the NFL, that he would indemnify all the other owners, that he would be the one who paid it. And then when it came out that the settlement, I think it was $790 million, Scott, uh, it sounded like Stan walked back on that promise a little bit. And a lot of NFL owners, I think maybe rightfully so, were really upset by that. And, and in the end, as you said, he's he's going to pay seven, $571 million of that seven twenty. It's just under three quarters of that total. I believe NFL owners have already paid, uh, kind of jointly shared the burden of that other $219 million. But I, I would imagine there's a lot of NFL owners out there who feel like Stan should pay them back for whatever their piece of that of that two twenty million was as well. But but again, a, a, another kind of fight between between owners and one in which it seems like Stan is is at least going back to handling the bulk of what he seemed to have promised the owners. From what I understand, and uh, I'm going to put on my Mike McCann hat yet again. From what I understand, and you and I know that specific language is important. Hmm. You know, uh, David Stern taught me that years ago. Remember when he told me, you know, ask the question you want answered. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but language matters. And from what I understand, the agreement was imprecise in its language. It called for uh, him to pay back something, whether it's relocation related expenses, however it was termed, not damages. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it was not written uh, in a way that would have bound Stan Kroenke to make that payment. So, yeah, it, it matters. And, but speaking of of strife in the NFL, ESPN had another story, which I love. Now I got what? I got Jerry Jones yelling at Bob Kraft and Bob Kraft yelling at Jerry Jones about Roger Goodell's compensation. And Jerry Jones has been on this kick for a while. He is not happy at the structure of Roger Goodell's contract, and they're talking about giving him uh, another extension. He wants more incentive-laden deal. He does not want sort of guaranteed salary, bonus, whatever it is. He wants to see a more incentive-laden deal where Roger has to put up specific metrics to get paid. And we know that, you know, Kraft is is very close with Roger Goodell. Um, Which is interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but to <laughs> they have, have been at odds at times before. Yeah, well. but to have those two, like, like these, are, these are two, if not the most powerful owners in the NFL, the mm. Krafts and, and the Joneses. Um, boy, that'd be a fun debate. Like, are they the two most powerful? I think I would say yes right now. Yeah, I mean, of course, we hadn't really thought about it. For sure. Yeah, yeah to, to have them with, with voices raised, sort of don't, don't F with me, don't challenge me, whatever's going on. Uh, like you said, a lot of this, a lot of the infighting that is usually behind closed doors seems to be spilling out into the public square. Yeah, look at the media getting, digging up all these things. Good for, good for us as a collective. Yeah, uh, there's so much money being had, guys. Can't we figure this out? Like, if I'm Roger, <laughs> gentlemen, exactly. gentlemen, has anybody looked at at you know the P and L statements of your franchises? Like, let's take a peek at the Packers because they public filing. You know, come on, everybody should be happy. There's more, and there's more coming with a media deal for Sunday Ticket. Everybody, exactly. take it, take a deep breath, and let's let's figure out how to how to work together. Yeah, Roger's compensation is, is in the forty to sixty million dollar range. I think we, we don't know exactly because they've changed the tax status and therefore don't. Um, don't release it every year, but yeah, he's he is by far, I think, the the, the most heavily and, and best compensated uh, commissioner in uh, probably in the world in any situation. He he oversees the richest and most powerful league in the world. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that, that that now owners are also kind of disagreeing about the way in which uh, Roger should be compensated moving forward. 
I think it'd be fascinating to see sort of the draft proposal of what Jerry Jones has. What what are the metrics? Yeah, you know, is it how much for is what? What, yeah, what? What does he value? Whereas if Roger and the league hit them is worth X million of dollars to to the commissioner. Well, I'd be fascinated years, to see the draft of that. We're a few years away from the from Roger's goal. I think it was, what was it, it 20, 27 billion dollars in revenue by 2025, was that right? I think it was 25 billion by 2027. But either way, yeah, those numbers. Which by the way yeah. seems conservative now on the media side. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to have a big a big Sunday ticket deal at some point probably to Apple and then that rounds out the the bulk of the NFL's game media rights for a while. There's some assets like NFL.com and NFL Network that are also on the market could be tied into whatever happens with Sunday Ticket. Um, but but the big, big ticket items all will have been done in, in a two-year span once Sunday Ticket is done. Uh, viewership seems to be going in the right direction relative to, to what's happening on the rest of, uh, rest of television. The Amazon numbers have dipped a little bit but are still pretty strong in what I think a lot of people consider to be the, the first of what will be a lot of exclusive streaming packages for the biggest sports in, in, in the world moving forward. Uh, there's just a lot of momentum there. And again, I think going back to this idea that a lot of the fighting in the NFL has happened behind closed doors and also that Roger has been able and willing to bear the brunt of a lot of that, which is the, the principal part of his job. Uh, I certainly understand why there are a lot of owners that feel very positively about what he's doing, despite the fact that I think a lot of NFL fans would probably tell you that they think Roger's doing a bad job. You, you know why they should feel positively? Because, and I'm going to quote Andrew Brand here, I, I, I don't quote a lot of people, you know, but I, you know, when you come up with a great saying, that really, really crystallizes what, what's happening. I think we got to use it. You know, Andrew Brandt, he loves to say that the NFL owners have figured out a way to socialize the cost and privatize the profit. Oh, and I like that. I'm not sure if, I've heard that before, but I like it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. He say that's what they figured out to do. Socialize cost, privatize profit. And another example, Tennessee Titans have figured out a way to get public money, more than a billion dollars in public money coming on the heels of the Buffalo Bills, getting billion dollars in public money coming on the heels of the of the Las Vegas Raiders getting what was it 800 million seven private of, yeah. of public money. Um, it, it's just yeah, I mean, not that they're not, not paying some of it, but a new dome stadium coming to Tennessee, and the, the taxpayers are paying a big bulk of it. You have talked to the city a bunch of times. They like to argue with you about what it really is. So why don't you break it down as best we can understand it now? There was a time a couple of years ago, Scott, where I, I genuinely thought that the the uh, approach was shifting towards giving public funds toward big stadium projects. We all did. It wasn't just you. Everybody thought, and, yeah. And, uh, and you rattled off the three big ones. There was a record deal, 750 in in in, in Las Vegas. There was a new record, 850, I believe, for the Bills. Oh, wait, oh, time out, time Mark. out. I got to stop you. I got to yeah. stop you. You, you. you hit on one of my pet peeves. You, you just said new record. New record. It is a new record. There I understand, but, record. <laughs> but by virtue of being a record, you don't need the new. A okay. record is a record, not a new record. It's a it record. It was a record, not a new one, a regular record in, uh, <laughs> in, in in Buffalo. And then the Tennessee number, you mentioned it there, blew everything out of the water. $1.2 in public funds. That's $500 million from the state of Tennessee and then another 700 plus from the local government. That's the, the county and city of Nashville. Um that's a record, obviously, and 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 who knows if that the, the way the thing's going, maybe there's going to be another team that gets more than that in the next twelve months. Um, but again, yeah, the, the, this pushback on 
on, on billion dollar franchises that are continue to get these huge subsidies from their state or their city, or in this case, in both. Uh, the, the the Titans are putting up, I think it's 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 eight hundred and sixty million dollars of the of of the total two point one billion dollar project. They're gonna fr- front all the or, or pay for all the overages. So we'll see how it ends up. But the Titans are paying less than fifty percent for for a brand new dome stadium. They'll be the 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 tenant. They'll get to operate it under a thirty plus year lease, uh, and then when the lease is over, the, the city gets to own it again. But at that point, it's a 30-plus-year-old stadium, right? The, the, the stadium that the Titans play in right now, Nissan Stadium, is 23 years old, I believe. Uh, and already, they've deemed it too expensive to renovate. They just want to do their own thing and build a new one. It's unclear how valuable a 30-plus-year-old dome stadium in Nashville is going to be when, when NFL teams don't seem to stay in these things past 20-plus years anyway. But, yeah, I think the big takeaway here is that $1.2 billion in public funds, uh, a record for a U.S. and I assume a record for a global sports stadium in terms of cost and and certainly feels as though the next NFL team that goes to the well here trying to get it certainly has a little bit of a track record here to point to to show that these deals are still happening. All right. So tell me, let, let me just for fun, what happens if the Titans go to city officials and you know, first, the, you know how the, you've seen the the, uh, the playbook on this. There's a we need something. We're not keeping up. It hurts our competitive balance. Then there's the flirtation. Well, we might have to look out. You know, you've that's the that's the one on one. Fine. What happens when city officials, very public press conference, say there's no public money available? We understand. Go ahead and move. Yep. Which we've seen in places, right? I mean, I believe that was part of the the St. Louis thing, right? Which which yeah. ended up in a team going to and a, and a private stadium. But in, you had LA available. In, in LA, you know, you had that that they always had that LA carrot available. And we knew the league wanted to get there, and we know it's really a real estate transaction. So yeah, you, know, you, you had that. Who, I, who's I the agree. city? Who's the who's the current LA? I'm Mexico City. Uh, Mexico you, City. You, you, you Toronto. I don't know. A little Who's bit the about LA? Toronto. I think less likely. I believe Toronto's in the Bills in the Buffalo D- market. DMA, DMA, which would yeah. be like a little bit more complex. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that you're right. Losing LA as the leverage point, I think, changes this conversation quite a bit. I, is San Diego back on the table? I, no, I, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I think I think it does change. But I, I'm with you. I, I find it very hard to believe that if local and state officials decided from now on, we're just never going to do this. I don't believe that there'd be a ton of teams that would move. Uh, I just don't think that that's true. So yes, in general, I think that, 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 that local governments have a lot more leverage than they either think they do or than they, or than they choose to exercise when it comes to big projects like this. All right. NBA season underway, by the way, welcome back NBA. Uh, a little preseason news right beforehand, uh, and we all knew this was coming, but I'm fascinated by it. Steve Ballmer and the Clippers. Clipper Vision, man, you get your own sort of, you can pick one of six broadcasts, like the, what you want to see for all the games. Uh, it's no surprise that Steve Ballmer is the one doing this. This is the changing face of, and I use this, I say broadcasting. Keep in mind, there is no more broadcasting. I know you want, there's, there's only narrow casting yeah. from now on. It is now, whether it's the Manning cast, um, wh- whether it's Steve Ballmer, wh- what, there's six, what, what, are the, what are the options? I can watch who, like Paul Pierce, and wh- what were some of the options? Yeah, but- so it's, it's funny, the, the options all kind of track with 
new disruptions that we've seen in sports media in the past few years. So you mentioned the Manning cast. One of the streams here is is the Clippers version of that with mm-hmm. players like Baron Davis and Jamal Crawford and Paul Pierce sitting around watching the game. Steve Ballmer is going to join them at certain times as well. I'm sure they'll have other alumni or LA personalities. That is one of the options. Amazon has has played around in the past with with other languages broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Well, that's here too. There's Korean and Spanish language broadcasts. We saw that NFL Nickelodeon playoff game that they've done a few times with the animations and all that. Yep. That's one of the streams here as well for LA is, is, is the, is the animated version. Oh, they're going to get also- slimed with buckets. All right. <laughs> Drop a three, get slimed. I got exactly. it. Okay. And then there's the standard TV, either RSN or local TV. Sorry. There's a, <laughs> there's a siren going past here. That's all right. Um, there, there's the standard TV version as well. And then there's the the stat heavy one, Scott, and and this has been a beta in beta for a while. I believe you were one of the early. I was one of the beta testers, testers yeah. of that, so you can tell people what that looks like. But for people who like information overload when they're watching sports, percentage of likelihood of a shot to go in from here, stats all over the place. I think that's going to be, and that's powered, I believe, by Second Spectrum. Um, that's going to be the other the other option here is is a way to see all of those numbers on the screen all at once. Let me tell you what awaits you as you just get a little bit older as as you enter sort of, you know, you're kind of old now. You used to be the young guy. Now you're like, you know, you're the veteran. <laughs> Middle-aged but, guy. Yeah, you're getting there closely. I think 5 more years on you is when I could no longer do roller coasters and stuff. I used mm. to be fine. Immune to all that stuff. All of a sudden one day I go on a roll, like I would just get nauseous and I I mean spinning teacups anything. If I look at somebody on the swings, it starts to hit me. So that's what you have to look forward to. But this all segues into Clipper Vision because one of the things that was that we were testing were like you know, like a thought bubble above a player's head. Yeah. What they had was the shooting percentage that if that player at that moment took a shot from where, even if they didn't have the ball, it was all 10 people on the court. That bubble was over their heads. If they took a shot, or probably just the offensive guys, actually, if they took a shot at that moment, what the percentage is that they would make it. And the, as they took a step, it would change like the, the, where the defense guy was. And, hmm. and it was, I, 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 one, I couldn't keep up. And two, I started to get dizzy. I'm not kidding you. I was just like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. There's no way I could do this. So, you know, what do I do in such situations? I call my focus group of one who at the time was probably 10 years old, 9, 10, whatever, 11. And within two seconds, what's his reaction to that? I'll let you guess. He loved it. Coolest thing ever. This is great. That's it. Because he's used to playing, you know, COD. He's used to playing whatever where, you know, where the the vision goes up and down. You're looking around and I get dizzy and he knows exactly where he is climbing the mountain. Drives me nuts. But that's what Steve Ballmer is doing. We're creating a world, by the way, where who needs the middleman? Who's going to need? Why am I paying for rights fees? I own the IP. I'm the Clippers owner. I'm going to go direct to consumer, figure out what they want, and how do I get people all over the globe to watch my team? Yeah, that that story right there, that that focus group of two, is exactly why narrow casting, I think, is the future. Because yeah. the thing that you want to watch and the thing mm-hmm. your son wants to watch are very different, and, and there should be options for both of them. One of the things I'm fascinated here by, Scott, because again, there's six streams, one of which is the traditional... TV broadcast, the standard thing that, that we have become, become so accustomed to. I am very curious to know how popular that is relative to the others. If it is true, in fact, that when given all these options, people are going to choose other ones, or if, and, and, and I think I actually may believe that that is going to be the over, over, overwhelming favorite way to watch if most people are just going to choose to get the thing that they've always gotten. 
right? And, and the Manning cast has kind of broken this model to a degree. We have a real sense of who chooses to watch Monday Night Football via the traditional way on ESPN or via the Manning cast way on ESPN2. But uh, the Clippers are also going to be getting a really good little study about how much people actually want those options relative to maybe just wanting the standard option the way they've always had it before. And I have said it before. I will say it again. One of the chal- or one of the options I would like rather on narrow casting is I'll call it post game, where it can rotate. Doesn't have to be the same player, but I want for uh, what do I want two hours after the game, the drive home, the sort of calm down, the the trip on the plane, the get to the hotel. I want camera live following a player for two hours after the game. Love that. Go to dinner, whatever it is. That's what I want to see. That people want to get closer. They want to get beyond the game. They want to see what's going on in players and coaches' lives. I think that would be fascinating. Close it out. We've been going for a while. Fubo TV shut down its sportsbook, Eben. I never used it. Uh, so you, you, this is your bailiwick. You you tell me, what do I need to know about this? I'm kind of surprised this this wasn't a bigger story, but Fubo was was one of those operators that I would call in in, in tier two or tier three of the of the the massive paper chase to try to get market share here in the US. Fubo's pitch was always the the synergies between the sportsbook and Fubo TV that you could be watching a sporting event on Fubo TV and see all of the game gaming and gambling odds and you could even bet directly from that screen. Uh, and again, we, we've talked on this show about how expensive it is to get into U.S. sports betting right now. The company has decided it's just not worth it. Pull in the plug. Now, didn't they have a bunch of market access deals that allowed them to get through? And what happens to that revenue did. for the teams? Yeah, it's a great question. So they had deals in, in, in Ohio with the Cavaliers, a deal in Texas with the Houston Dynamo, one of the biggest commercial deals in MLS club history, that Dynamo deal. My guess is that they still have access to those and they could sell them again. If if somebody say fanatics maybe come, comes onto the I was going to say Michael Rubin and for wants you. access to to Texas yeah maybe that Fubo can, can can pass those along I don't have the terms of those deals enough to know who controls that when Fubo gaming no longer exists but I think this is a, a cautionary tale maybe a little dramatic we're going to see more of this that there are going to be a lot of sports books that are operational right now in a few states. Companies that thought they had the secret sauce by merging it with their TV or because of their database or because they have a loyal follower of podcast listeners and and merchandise buyers. There's going to be a lot of people who thought they had the sauce realize right now it's really expensive and are going to pull the plug before it gets extremely, extremely, extremely expensive. And Twin Spires has already done it. And I don't think Fubo will be the last. Well, that will be the last word. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter at Soshnik. I really hope that Matt Whitehurst gets no more drama in there. If he didn't, then I'm not going to give him any credit right now. But if he did, super job, Matt Whitehurst. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network.